Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hi, everyone. We're on another episode of Event Brew coming at you with three of four. That ain't bad. All American crew this time. We're excited. We're we're raving our flags. We're chanting USA in our heads. I'm sure uh, no one has <laughs> maple syrup in front of them as their drink, and uh, we're ready to go. Uh, so uh, uh, my name is Nick Barelli with uh, All Seated, and with me today, Will from Endless Events, Tui Hello. from Hot. Hello. And and we're going to go into this seeing if we can beat any record we've ever had uh, to get right into the material. Uh, we're under a minute. I'm going to really kick it off fast. I'm drinking another one of those flavored waters, Spun Spindrift. There's two more drinks, and we mm. can probably do this on our two minutes. It's possible. I am drinking what I always drink, which is a David Rio chai. Boom. All right. I am drinking the thing that fuels me for smart meat. Smart meetings, smart woman in meetings. I put it. It's quoted, organic green tea with honey. You got New quoted about the... what? What you drink? Uh, I ended up winning that uh, smart meetings, smart woman in meetings award under stellar performer. Mm-hmm. And I, they asked me what fuels my, you know, what's oh, my what my cool fierce fuel? Yeah, and so I like wrote my answer. Not the end. I wrote dot dot dot, and I dedicated to you guys subconsciously. I said. And organic green tea with honey. Nice. So I thought I would throw it back to the OG drink. <laughs> yeah, so everyone's on their on their regular drinks. Uh, on we're recording this on a regular time uh, with uh, most of the regular people, and uh, we're going to talk about something irregular today. However, uh, and that is the change uh, of the world's uh, you know ecosystem. Uh, everything that happens in the world from disruptions has this domino effect that impacts everything else and like the events industry because it's the you know it's we're the people that bring people together uh and in in a world that is hyper connected we're sometimes the first to be hit by things and sometimes the last to recover from things and certainly uh there really is no trend that doesn't impact us in some way be it technology be it you know obviously pandemics be it uh anything it 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 definitely impacts us and uh currently we're in this uh period of time where there's there's lots of rising prices uh and and there's a variety of reasons as to why for sure um but the knock-on effect in in a world that you know is getting back to an experience economy as opposed to uh i don't know what the amazon uh economy or the uh you know the the home depot economy. economy Yeah, I guess. So I don't know what we were in before that took a, a break from the experience economy. The experience economy definitely was on pause. I think it's back. And with that uh, comes uh, its uh, rectifying 
the prices of things that are even more uh, uh, jarring with the time apart. You know, like at, if you haven't been to a concert in a couple of years and you, you're buying a ticket now, you're looking at those prices going, whoa. I know I've done that this summer going to Red Rocks and I was looking at some of the prices and I'm like, oh, all right, well, uh, making this a... Uh, an event, uh, certainly uh, not not a, <laughs> not a casual affair, um, but uh, I think that's really where we're at right now. Is that uh, you know the prices are what they are. Um, Tui, you're, you're very. I think you're the most intimately connected to all of the variables, right? Like I think uh, oftentimes Will and I, like we work on our specific areas, uh, but we're we're less likely to see all of the impact uh, as far as the different variables. What are you seeing as like the ones that are jumping out to you immediately where you're, you're maybe changing your mind, making different decisions based on uh, pricing models uh, as far as what your clients need for their goals and uh, what they can accomplish with their budget? Absolutely. So inflation. Yay. Everyone's talking about it, of course. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's inflating it. Everyone's inflating <laughs> about inflation rates. And it's all in different categories, too. Right. It's whether it's your gas. Uh, even today, I was looking at air. Uh, plane tickets. I just had my parents say, hey, tickets are really high in the month of April. We're not going to come see you in LA. I was like, okay, thanks. Thanks, love you. what an effect. Um, Right? And so (laughs) for me, when it comes to just the event planning world, it's just another challenge. A lot of times people think of things as roadblocks. Example, my parents, no, we're just not going to go. Where for me, I just try to say this is a great challenge to have. And how can we shift and move that, right? Inflation rates are high on this type of meat for, uh, you know, in order to figure out catering menus, then you just choose alternatives. That's why farm to table and, you know, seasonal changes are always constantly changing it might be hard on the forefront to to plan it but if it gives you better ingredients better pricing closer to date then i say go with that same thing if transportation and gas is really high right now then let's talk about ways or locations that are closer to that host hotel or something active where maybe we'll just bike to a location and making the experience during that transportation portion of it versus you know paying the the extra the other thing is for suppliers i am i encourage you if your prices are going up also increase your pricing too like i think a lot of times people think at the end of the day is it's business and it should be fair what everyone is going to take home at the end of the day you don't need to Mm -hmm. sacrifice in order to take you know constantly take on business and lowering your rate there's a reason why your rates are your rates Mm. When you bring your price down, it's very difficult, if possible at all, to bring them back up again. Uh, so, you know, if you're in a, I've always found that if you're in a temporary situation as a vendor, uh, where you feel like there's a crunch uh, due to circumstances where your pricing uh, has to, you know, uh, you know, change, consider, um, you know, at that point uh, that whatever whatever move you make down, uh, it, it's very difficult to go back up. If you go up. It's not too hard to go back down. Most people are, you know, fine with that. So, you know, some kind of a surge pricing or, or situation like that. But I think ultimately, uh, transparency is the answer to most of these problems. Uh, is you know, I think especially it's business on both ends when you're in the B two B world of uh, being a vendor. Um, you just have to communicate that and then be solutions oriented. You know, when you give somebody 
the uh, information that, that the pricing is going to go up. Uh, don't do that in a way that, and I've said this a bunch of times you know, in the last few months, but don't take anybody for granted. Don't take your clients for granted. So don't just say these prices are going up. That's life. That's the way things are. There's things that are changing. It's inflation, et cetera. Say, however, you know, I, I'm, I'm your partner. So, you know, these are these are realities. Uh, and uh, I, uh, you know, those realities can't change, but everything else can. And we can get creative and we can determine what really matters. Uh, it's it's flexibility doesn't necessarily mean that you get hurt. Flexibility means that you're creative. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, you, I, I I'm sure in that situation a lot. I'm sure where people are like, "Hey, we need to do more with less." Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, like it's a con. Like it's never ending. How often that you have to like <laughs> readjust things and change things? I mean, like definitely no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's 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 really interesting too that Tui brought up like gas prices, for example. So um, I think that at that the there was an article where event MB quoted me talking about gas prices and I went down the deep hole. I've, I've learned with interviews. I just kind of like try to say controversial stuff now and just try yeah. to shake things up. But like the thing, the thing that I kind of say, yeah, yeah. Smart. Especially if you ask me about gas prices as an I, I professional, got, I've had a bunch of different, you know, interview opportunities in the last few weeks. And I, I realize now that like uh, what they want, I think at this point is that, uh, and if you deliver that to them, they'll keep knocking on your door uh, but they also edit. So like there's certain things where you give them and you'll, you don't see much of what you gave them. Uh, and you're like, yeah, didn't didn't give them anything that I could uh, that they could sink their teeth into. So good strategy. Yeah, I think they're like, oh, yeah, they're just wanted, like, so do you think transportation logistics costs are going to go up because gas prices are going up? And I was like, yes, but I want to talk about this way more. And like I basically like end up like talking about like this is also a big push for us to move towards sustainable events but the thing that i think that like i that i talked about and and ironically i think i got this originally from brant is brant used to say back in the day like never doubt a hotel or an airline's ability to charge more money right and this was like in a non-inflationary environment just the idea like mm-hmm. they're always going to try to find a way to eke out as much profit as possible because our businesses like we talked about but what i think the thing is that like everyone's talking about when it comes to these gas prices and things like that i'm like guys like for so long of the last two years, everybody's been losing – was losing money, right? No one was like in a like – a, maybe except for event technology companies. Like we're in a place where they were like, I'm printing money. This is amazing. And I think a lot of them are st- – even technology companies are starting to feel the hurt now <laughs> because yeah, they're, cause they're like – things are slowing down, right? Wait. So, we're going to well, get out of a pandemic? Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, eventually. Um, so what's it, what I w- was saying though is that like – when we get out of this, and this is what we're starting to see now, is that like every company is trying to recover all their losses from previ- the previous two years. So I think like you take not only the fact that we're in an inflationary environment, not only do you take the fact that gas prices are going up and physical costs are going up, not only do you take the fact that labor is hard to find or you know next to impossible to find in some ways, you take all that and also you sprinkle in a little bit of a we got to make back the money we lost, like. I think the events industry is probably going to feel prices the hardest out of anybody, right? Like everything's going to go up when it comes to this because everybody's going to be trying to, I think, make that profit that they lost. I think it's one of the reasons why synchronous hybrid uh, didn't take off as expected. Uh, And this is is my point of view, at least. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't seen widespread adoption of synchronous hybrid nearly to the, the amount that thought leaders thought that it would. And I think I, I get that down to diminished resources 
uh, or certainly not in, in additional resources and therefore additional work without additional resources, something has to go and what goes the thing you don't want to do anyway. Uh, so for me, like I, I see, you know, when uh, people talk about, oh, hybrid, this hybrid, that like the buzzword of, you know, quite some time. And then when you see the chips are down and then the, the money isn't there, I think it was the first in the chopping block, you know, the change, the evolution, the expansion of what what we could do. I really saw that as as what was sacrificed, even in lieu of it being potentially better or producing more leads or whatever. It just you can't get blood from a stone, you know. So it's like, what's the first thing we want to cut? Well, all that you know, uh, that production cost uh, for things that you know. Again, we're not. I, I I'm fully committed to the idea that majority of event professionals are not interested first in virtual. You know, like it, it isn't why they got into what they do. And it, it, it takes a special person uh, in the industry to have a passion for both. You know, it's not, it's mm. not the default persona. Um, so I think that the first thing of uh, the sacrifices that I've seen in the last, like, six months to uh, things coming back but also um, the re- but not gaining more resources is the idea that, like, hybrid is going down and there's less virtual events. Oh, well, it's interesting too. Like, let's say production value and things happening within events are going down, right? So, then theory, people might walk into the event and see less than they saw in previous years, but then they're going to see that their ticket price was the same, if not more. And what I think is going to happen is that this this idea of being like, I think people will start to blame, like, yeah, we're in an inflationary environment. You know, thing costs are just going up, so we couldn't do as much with the dollar that we had before. But in reality, it's like a maybe not proper planning for budgeting in some ways yeah i was just gonna say know that in advance so that when you do your budgeting for the year or for that particular event conference initiative you know raise the a higher percentage knowing that it just things cost more i think when you do it that way versus then having your suppliers scramble because it was the same budget as you did the pre- previous year and that year just happened to be a virtual event which of course is way less expensive than actual in person because you're putting in what was well was saying production rates you know all the in person tangibles that you wouldn't get if you just did virtual i think it really requires you to set expectations too uh, not mm-hmm. not necessarily say like this event is going to be less than or anything like that, but it's really doubling down on your mission and and what the event is about and and marketing that and talking about like what the outcomes will be uh, in the form of less on the the frivolousness you know like and more on the hard tangible results um, if you know that's what's required you know and I think that those expectations set right will will make sure that your attendees come into it with the right you know set of eyes as opposed to just comparing it to the previous year which i mean mm-hmm. i was at a lot of events over the last two years where or a year and a half at least where uh you know i think we had because it's the events industry we're just keenly aware of like what the expectations would be you know less attendance less suppliers uh you know less trade show booths uh and you know that that sort of put things into perspective, especially with people that understood it. I think that in, in less forgiving crowds who are not, you know, necessarily, uh, as, uh, you know, eyes open to all the things that have been going on, I think it requires you to just, you know, set those expectations. Hmm. We'll see. I mean, I think that like, it, 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 like, like anything, um, 
budgets. It, it really just comes down to creativity and understanding what you're about, you know, like what's most important. Um, I've seen, I mean, talk to, you know, if you have any friends that work in like events in like islands, talk to them. They understand <laughs> gas prices and they understand that everything that comes into their uh, space uh, has to be shipped there. Um, I, I, I've done some events like that and it's, it's fascinating to see the, 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 how they manipulate things, even to the degree of like, I think I may have said this before, but like an, an awards event where uh, you just bring one award and you use that as the uh, the thing that you give on stage to um, as a mock, you know, piece as opposed to shipping, uh, you know, two hundred heavy awards over. Like it gets down to mm. that in some of those spaces, right? That's clever. Where they really just like figure out what things cost, and you know, like they're just there's a few like areas in the world that you know, or like f- food deserts where they just like really get smart about how they do things. Uh, and you know, you make it part of the, you know, the kind of like, uh, the event itself. I mean, I've seen a lot of instances, especially when it comes to F and B around that, uh, where there's like been events in places that didn't have as much fresh food because it was in colder environments, uh, and in the season that they were in, but they wanted to have food that was from that area. So they did like more preserved food, uh, and, uh, you know, jellies and, and, you know, pickled things or whatever. And they, they actually, you know, transparently tell you that they're like, this is from here and you know, it's January. So, uh, you know, we don't give you the, the sort of same fresh produce. We arrange something, you know, based on more preserved foods. So I, I think that like having that, you know, as part of it. And then the upshot is, is that when we're talking about, uh, events that are using less fuel, you also get to have a positive, a true positive spin on it. Yes, you are saving money, but you're also having a net positive impact on the environment. So it, you don't have to be like, hey, we did all these decisions because uh, we're trying to have a higher profit margin. You know, I mean, that that might be the case, uh, which, you know, frankly, it shouldn't be anything anyone should be ashamed about. Like it's the it's the, you know, uh, the, the thing that ensures that the event keeps continuing to happen. But um, the positive spin on that is is also the net benefit to uh, the environment. So I think that there's a lot of, a lot of instances where portions of events can be done, uh, to have, to have longer or shorter length, uh, and have portions of it done virtually, uh, and, you know, do the things that you can only do face to face, uh, in the face to face setting. Uh, you could do a flipped classroom model where the education is done, um, ahead of time and you come to the event, uh, and engaging people, in conversation around the homework that you did going into it, uh, thus, you know, saving you time of wasting your time and energy going into certain areas and taking a three day show and turning it into a two day, uh, um, sort of summit as opposed to a three day, uh, split lecture. There's a lot of creativity you can really embrace if you're willing to, uh, you know, change how you do things, but it's a, it's a big ask. I know there's a lot that comes with that. Uh, but, uh, for me, it's like, don't, don't show it as a deficit, show it as a feature. You know, it's not a, what is that? Is it, it's not a, I like that. What is that? It's, it's not a, it's not a something. It's a, it's a feature. Like it's not a flaw or not a it's glitch. Not, it's not a bug. It's yeah. a feature. And it's not a bug. It's a feature. Exactly that. So it's not a bug. You know, we're trying to save money. Uh, it's a feature. We're trying to, uh, have your time be more valuable. So we condense it down to two days. 
uh, embrace the flip classroom model, have everybody come prepared uh, in, to have an exchange with other individuals in a way that can only be done in face-to-face, and the education could be done not necess- doesn't necessarily have to be done in face-to-face. So that is, you know, a, a intentional experience design applied to a problem, you know. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff that I think that we mm. should all be thinking about if we're, you know, truly claiming to be creatives and that's what's called creative problem solving too right like just you come up rules exactly and the the more challenges that are thrown at you the more that you'll have to adapt i think the award thing is brilliant because no one wants to carry 200 awards hey take the photo (laughs) that's all you wanted for and then we're going to mail it to you at you know when you get back because especially if you're traveling the last thing i want is to carry an award with me my backpack my suitcase is already at 50 pounds and I have to, you know, carry this thing around. <laughs> I mean, you well, I pay for it with, you pay for it with, I mean, th- so this is a practical thing that happened to me is that I went on stage and then I was handed a, a heavy award and then I got back to the stage and then I, I found out, all right, we're going to need that back. Uh, we'll ship you out the other one. Um, and uh, because I was, it was in the Bahamas. And then I found out um, later that they're like, yeah, you know, like that's oftentimes how award, awards events are done here. Uh, because there's double the shipping, uh, ener- like energy and and money spent, because they have to normally um, ship it to, uh, and then there's you know especially when you go to different countries, there's all these like taxes and stuff like that on weight, and then uh, you have to figure out how you can justify that on your and, and it passes a burden on to the award winner, and you're actually like people are paying double, you know, oftentimes. And it's being shipped twice when it can just be shipped once. So like there's an environmental impact, there's a cost impact. Uh, yeah, and I love the environmental impact. That's cool. Yeah. So th- that's the kind of thing is like, all right, how do we creatively do this? And what's the best version of this? And like, are there any, you know, other upshots? Because anytime we're talking about uh, skipping out on fuel costs, we're also talking about skipping out on uh, fuel costs to the environment as well. There's there's a cost that you pay and there's a cost that the environment pays. And um, getting creative uh, solves both with one creative solution. You solve both problems. Mm. So, so that's aside from inflation, inflation, I got, I got another topic that we can pivot to towards. Sure. Tui, you got anything else that you want to add on in before? I no, I want you to tell me what this, this other topic is. I'm uh, yeah, I didn't. listening well, I, so I intently. <laughs> well, I assume if anyone's listening to the inflation talk, it's either affecting them now or they're really interested in, in economics. But, you know, there's a lot of talk right now of like the looming potential recession coming to in the United States. And maybe it was good that uh, that Dustin wasn't here. So then we could talk about American <laughs> economics primarily. But that's yeah, his favorite this... topic, though. <laughs> it's true. That's true. Well, it sucks to suck, Dustin. We're intrinsically um, tied. Uh, Canada. And <laughs> yeah, States, true, so. true. Basically, they're the same thing. Um, well, I'm, I think what's interesting, though, is that like this idea, you know, that we could have a recession coming and the, and, you know, when recessions hit, what usually goes is usually people's, you know, a little bit less frivolous, less important expenses, sometimes a little bit more frivolous is like travel. And sometimes, you know, like attending conferences and education. So the question is, you know, like, you know, inflation dealing with this when it comes to events, but also maybe potentially dealing with the fact that you're going to have attendees who, you know, might feel some hurt over the course of the next uh, year or so. What are your guys' thoughts on on the potential of a looming recession? I mean, I think that you, you know because should... event professionals totally most qualified people to talk about economics. But I know, right? <laughs> first, first <laughs> and foremost, sucks. I'm glad that yeah. 
I mean, first and foremost, I'm, I'm glad that we're uh, redoing our kitchen right now as opposed to uh, a few months from now. So uh, personally, that's uh, that's a win uh, in the face of this. Uh, I would say um, first place my, my mind goes might not be where everyone else go. My, my first place my mind goes is, OK, these are pains our attendees will be experiencing as well in their own lives. How can we solve those to solve our problems? Uh, so um, if there is a recession coming, we should incorporate that into into the content and the design of our events in order to help them alleviate the pains that they may have. Uh, so, if, for instance, if you're in a business to business conference and you're you're providing uh, information, education and uh, solutions to your base, you should consider uh, pivoting some of the content that you have. Uh, towards uh, things that would uh, that help them alleviate that pain, and therefore, uh, it's what that community needs at that time. Uh, and you would be able to, you know, why why your show? The answer is that your show is focused on helping. Like the the investment they would have here would help solve their problems down the road. Uh, so it's a good investment because you know a, a you know a two thousand dollars expense could save them ten thousand dollars or or some other. Uh, you know, a fact like that, that you could pivot some of your marketing towards in that. Um, and then the other thing is, is that there's more options now than there ever has been as far as ways to distribute content. So um, as I alluded to previously, you know, uh, embracing um, multiple uh, opportunities that are all intentionally designed, not just some kind of let's put a phone and put it on Facebook Live, but actually creating an experience that is good for people uh, so you can keep them. Uh, as part of your community, uh, because what happens is is that uh, people say, "Look, I just want the live event to be good. I want the the virtual event to be not so good." So people continue to go to the live event, which is one of the most like I've called so many people out to their face about Wait, that. And I'm like, so you- people actually do that in their planning process all, all the time. What? I don't I don't want to do a virtual event. I don't <laughs> want to do too. I don't want to invest too much in the virtual event because we're incentivizing people not to come to our event. I've heard it. A million times. Oh, it's 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 the number one argument. Like Are you and, and like I remember for awesome. years we used to be preaching on Valencons. This pre pandemic that like people believed that live streaming their event, they thought it was gonna cannibalize their market, but it's it's a hundred percent it's, it's been proven now. that I mean, now four that thousand even, times over. Yep. And it's worse now because there's actually really uh robust ways to deliver on uh a much easier way to deliver on uh having a good event and it's short-sighted, right? It, what they're saying is, and this is exactly this is the, my belief, at least. What they're saying is, we don't want them to be um, the, the virtual event to be good because they might go, they might like that. A thing I don't want to be successful and don't want to do, because I, I really believe that event professionals, generally speaking, don't want virtual events to happen. Uh, they don't believe in them. They don't like them. It's not what they're into. That's a personal point of view, but I think that it goes comes back to like their hospitality origins for most people. Uh, and it being almost like antithetical to hospitality anyways. Um, so don't do that uh, because what you'll find is yeah. if it, even if you are that kind of person that says the only the only event is a face to face event. And the only way, you know, I can, uh, you know, the only viable way to execute on my goals is the face to face event. OK, that's fine. But know that, like, you're going to lose people with this and likely not gain them back. So if you have some sort of life preserver or some way to like keep them in you know in your circle and thinking about you getting value from you in the interim until they have the funds in order to come back to the face to face event of which you think is the right way for them to experience your uh, your goals. Um, at least do it for that reason as as a temporary you know means to that. I don't necessarily believe that that's you know 
the the way you should design, but I think you should do design from from an attendee standpoint uh, as opposed to from a planner standpoint. And I'm sure every single planner in the world thinks that they do it for attendees, but I would think I would say that like it's rarer than you think. Most time planners plan for planners. They they plan the way they know how to do, uh, in the way that they think is right, and they don't co-create with. Uh, I'm getting really negative, but anyways, uh, I think that it, it ultimately, <laughs> um, it, it, if anyone who has any reservations on virtual and you're you're seeing a decline in travel and and these kind of expenses, know that like your competition uh, will uh, will beat you in the long run because they will provide opportunities to get get a taste of what they're about in in a way that is less cost costly and more cost effective, more convenient. Uh, and, yeah, and they'll build up loyalty, and they'll lose loyalty with you. Interesting. I'm just so blown away that people do that. And can you imagine if it was the opposite, right? If it was like, let's make this live event horrible. Like, let's put the bar by oh, yeah. the entrance. Let's let's hot mic sandwiches with cheese. What a fun idea! <laughs> oh, that's the video. The so, promo, like, if I was, like <laughs> yeah, if I was a virtual, you know, yeah, that's funny. So like yeah, that that'd be such a fun like video to make uh, where you're like, uh, we hear this all the time, and you, you state that you know the thing that we have heard well, uh, and you know, like, and then we t- we interject Tui's idea of like yeah, imagine if the other way, and then illustrate that and actually show the like this terrible rotten event, and at the end of it, this <laughs> says, uh, and by the end of this, they're gonna they're gonna come to our virtual event because uh, they'll hate live events, you know, like it, it's they're both as dumb, right? Like <laughs> you should just you should create exceptional experiences for people and meet them where they want to be met uh, and, uh, and engage with people because uh, saying that there is one persona that you serve that is like you uh, is so limiting and it's why shows go away. I really believe that like, like the growth potential of most events has been hammered by the fact that people uh, feel like they know everything there is to know about their attendees and they design mm. from a singular point of view as as a point as opposed to a diverse point of view like even having some like people from a perspective of like not being able bodied to be able to weigh in on design and tell you like no virtual allows me to be part of this community and without this I'm not part of your community like hearing that firsthand because I have heard that it changes your perspective completely like as much as you're into quote unquote hospitality you're not being very hospitable if there are people who have uh, you know, li- limitations and uh, and specific issues, uh, be it, you know, mental health related, physical, it doesn't matter, geographical, budgetary, all those things that are very real human, uh, you know, limitations and barriers. And you are just designing for people that have disposable income that are enabled and empowered from their organizations and just saying my community should be made up exclusively of these people is extremely at the best. It's extremely limited point of view. So, so I got a deep question for then based on all of that, that thought process is, do you think if a recession comes, right? Some big economic disaster, do you think it will be what finally kills a ton of events, right? Like you'll, you'll get this like wave of like, because like we right now, right? There's probably a ton of events that are hobbling along, right? They barely survived the pandemic. They went virtual. They're trying to come back and people, and you know, maybe it wasn't as successful or maybe it was successful, but then people really didn't enjoy it because it like, you know, they wanted something better there. They thought themselves this could have been an email um, kind of situation. (laughs) And then the recession comes along, boom, they get wrecked. And normally that'd be enough to kill a ton of events on its own. But because you're almost taking like kicking up everybody while it's down, do you think this will 
almost like reset the industry one final time. Like this will be the final nail in the coffin in some events. 2009, mm-hmm. I'm in uh, Cater Source, and it's a presentation uh, given by the founder of Cater Source, Mike Roman. And the presentation is called A Recession is a Terrible Thing to Waste. And in that, he was absolutely thrilled and excited that there was a recession going on at the time. And everyone there was there moaning. And at the lowest point, it's never going to get worse for the events industry than it was in 2008, so they thought. Uh, a decade later, <laughs> it, it gets worse. Uh, but uh, and he was up there on stage, a person who makes his living off of uh, the events industry. You know, like it, it's it's pretty trickle down. And he was like, "This is great. It's great for the long term." Is what he was saying. And, and the idea was, is that those who have it, those who are creative, those who can overcome, that can provide a lot for their clients because. They don't offer fluff. They offer value, uh, and they offer. Uh, they have the ability to create um, opportunities and help people reach their goals because they're they're actually good at what they do, and they're not just the fly by nights that you have to fight with. The rest of those good years, where there's a race to the bottom and a bunch of people out there who are trying to like bring your money down, those people go away immediately. They're gone because they they don't they can't actually hack it. So he's like, every time there's a recession. The first couple of years after that, what you have is just the cream that rose to the top and things get really good and it, they accelerate, you know, like it accelerates new ideas it accelerate because it has to because the mother of invention is what uh, adversity. And it's no, necessity? adversity. Wait, what? Necessity? And maybe I don't know. I get I mean, mixing my <laughs> so quotes and saying adversity you guys. <laughs> I, uh, wait, what did you say? I didn't, you use, say I didn't use a, a sports metaphor. The mother of innovation is necessity. I necessity, think sure. yeah. I said adversity, but I guess maybe the father is adversity. I don't know. I'm, I'm really – now I'm, I'm mixing metaphors. Uh, so uh, anyways, uh, bad stuff brings good stuff. And uh, with that, you know, uh, I think that – while I think that the, the – it's funny. Like the, the 2007, 2006 heyday to 2008 – um, was a a big drop, and there hadn't been anything you know up like really disruptive in between then and then. I will tell you the types of events that existed uh, at, that I was working on at that time prior to that recession were a hundred percent fluff related. I mean, and and I was doing a lot of like, and and, and it it made some event types in some markets go extinct, and that is like specifically like the holiday parties where. The, and, the, and the pharmaceutical industry, there was a few other types of events that literally went extinct where it was just about spending money to show off excess with no ROI, no value other than, wow, these people got money. These, you know, like th- this is like tech boom, like, like late early 2000s, like right before the bubble burst. Same deal. There was so much money being spent just to show wealth. And those really took a hit. I mean, in a big way after that. Uh, and then it became more of like a much more of a conversation on uh, ROI and and, t- and tighten belts and holiday parties were cut out and a lot of different things happened in certain markets. Uh, and I, I recall, I mean, I remember actually like working for Dustin and like looking at, you know, the, the events he puts on, you know, the five or six years ago and looking at how many holiday parties. And I was like, man, you are an anomaly in Calgary because the majority of like, you know, uh, cities I was in you know prior to that. I wasn't seeing that much corporate holiday spending. I mean, I think that there, he's just in a is an oil town. It's a different animal, uh, but um, 
there's just a lot of events that just didn't come back and, and types of events that didn't come back to the same level. So I think that's a natural element of what comes out of a lot of these things. Uh, and here's the, here's the kicker. There is an alternative way to communicate and come together now. And there's a lot of money spent. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars being spent out there saying this is out there, you know, like that, that money's still there to some extent. And uh, I think that, the alternative to that is another element of like, yes, I think certain events will go away. Uh, but I think it's always anytime there's any kind of like adversity like this, there there's a net positive impact long term for the people who are 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 good at what they do. You know, like it like batten down the hatches, uh, you know, uh, weather the storm and then immediately following that you will be in a place where you can land grab. You know, you can be really good, but it requires you to double down on creativity specifically and and solutions. And here's the kicker um, partnership with your clients like it's it's now is the time if, if you're going into recession, just be like extremely transparent and extremely open to the overall relationship, because who survives these things? The people who have strong clientel relationships. Because they can say, look, you know, we're going to we're going to do what it takes. I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to get hit so hard that I, you know, lose my, uh, you know, lunch on this. But uh, I'm not necessarily thinking about here's how I can make this so cheap that I still have clients at the end of it. Because if you do that, you'll come out on the other end of it and you're you've already diminished your opportunity to, you know, be uh, on the other side of it. Right. So it's it's not that it's doubling down the creativity and, and talking to people and, and every step of that happening and communicating more, not just when you need to, but saying, Hey, just doing a check-in to see how we're doing. You know, I had some new ideas. We had a brainstorming session. Bring value. Don't take your money down. Bring more value. Uh, And in that, at the end of it, the other people who are not smart enough to bring more value that only know how to either lose their money by by reducing their prices or just aren't keeping their clients because they're not added value uh, as a partnership, they'll be gone. And then all of a sudden, when the sun comes up again, there's all this land to grab and you can grab it all up because you're still vital. You're still, you're, you're still moving and your, your, your machines are still running. So that, that was like one of the best sessions I ever been to as far as an event professional, like him explaining why recessions are like something you should get excited about long-term. As a millennial, I wish we could just, <laughs> you know, bad, good things happen when bad things happen. Can just like good things happen when good things happen. Like we've just yeah, been through, we've been yeah. through a lot. <laughs> and if good like, things I'm happen, still not over because <laughs> good things happened. happen. You know, it would just be dinosaurs all over this planet, right? That's so true. Like, we're only here because hmm. you know, as, as a species, we're only here because we're adaptable. Uh, to get like really big on this, right? Like that—that's like our thing. And like, and also like in your careers, you're only if your career is like has any sort of ascendancy whatsoever. It's only because you were able to overcome things and you were able to be uncomfortable enough that you got better. Like, and again, it's easy to say at this level and it's, it's always going to be hard. But one of the things that I I really want to underline is it's protect your relationships with your clients and protect it through um, giving them more value, not just giving them more stuff, but like being, you know, showing them that you care, that you're thinking about them, that, that their problems are your problems and being creative. The number one and number two ways that you can, you know, get through this. And those two things are completely intangible skills that, that have nothing that are not 
connected to a recession, right? Like you're not, you, you may have less people on your team. You may have less, you know, time or whatever else, but you don't have less creativity uh, because of the opposition when it comes to that. So like, those are the things that you should, and when, and when times are good, like those are the resources to invest in too, is, is creativity uh, and invest in, in the, the strength of relationships you have with your clients. Hmm. Cause I've to been me. here in, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, like, I would say, yeah, <laughs> I've literally been here. I mean, I saw, you know, types, I mean, I was selling weddings in 2008 personally, uh, because the corporate business that I was selling prior to that, uh, it, it went away. So I was like, all right, brides, what's up? You're recession proof. People don't skimp on this in this environment, you know, it just pivoted. Uh, like I've been in a situation where you had to get creative with it, with the business and figure out how you can, you know, overcome this kind of stuff. And like, it's, uh, I'm in a different position now and do different things now, but, um, it's really, um, these things are cyclical. I mean, everything about the recessions and, uh, macro economy, it's all cyclical, like the signs of the signs when it hits is, you know, it, it certainly, there's a million variables there. Uh, and how it hard it hits, but but what to do and what comes next and what while you're in it, uh, while there's phases of these things, and if the phase is we see the storm coming, you know it's like all right, start scrolling away resources uh, because you know in that instance uh, the most important things to any company are your clients and your people. So like make sure your people are happy and your clients are happy, and the re- and, and like and and take in exercises right now to show that like you can come up with and have a bunch of tricks in your back pocket while you can. Those are the other things too. It's like, all right, imagine if everything costs double right now, how would BB still be profitable? Like run those scenarios. Uh, so like when things hit hard, you're like, Oh, we have this, we have this plan. We just plan B is coming out right now. I like it. (laughs) That's a big thing. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 I wish good things happened because of good stuff too. <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> I do. I just like have like scars and calluses from these kinds of economic things before, and uh, and I've also I, I feel like somewhat I have the hindsight of experiencing them, and therefore knowing that it's going to be okay. You know, if if you're the yeah. kind of person that's like listening to something like this, it doesn't have to, and is invested in your craft. Uh, and you know you want to do more than just the bare minimum. I mean, you're already in a better place. Uh, I've always said that when people came to like presentations at conferences, I'm like, look, you're the people that care. You're, you're here. You know, you got, you know, you're taking time away from your life. You could be watching Netflix, but you're investing in your future. You're 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 um, skilling up. Um, you're probably not the people that need to hear this the most, but the people that aren't hearing it probably are never going to. So. Uh, continue doing those kinds of things and, you know, education uh, and and new experiences, network, you know, all those things are going to come in. All those intangibles, when the tangibles cost too much money, the intangibles start becoming valuable. Uh, even to the degree that I've told many people, line item your intangibles uh, when you give people your invoices, uh, you know, even if you put it, you know, uh, no, no price sign with it, but know that that's what you get, you know, with an organization, mm-hmm. you know, like thinking about your 365 and, you know, uh, available to you and, you know, all those like intangible kind of things that you get through partnerships because people need to see that, uh, more than ever in those situations where they're like, ah, oh, should I continue doing this or not? It's like, no, you know, like these people really are, they give me more than the next guy who's trying to, you know, do it for half. 
Well, I think uh, one of the things I think about too, when I think about this, the recession stuff too, is like, um, and I, rem- I just remember this moment on, I was being interviewed for like a local business radio station back when I was like a freshman in college. And they're like, oh, you know, you start your business on from 2007 to 2008. Like, so did the recession totally affect you? And I was like, uh, no. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. And obviously, like, my business was doing probably one one thousandth of the amount of, like, revenue and scale that I'm doing now. But, like, I think one of the things I like to think of, too, is that, like, you you always have this locus of control that you have the ability to to make things happen, right? And the more that you believe that stuff outside of your control like big economic disasters you know who's going to be president um you know like what's the major trend that's going to affect the industry if you really think to yourself that that's going to massively change what you're going to be trying to do then there's nothing that can be done to stop it right it is going to be like a huge moving force but in reality is that like if you believe that you fully have control over everything in your life and full locus of control of your entire actions and destiny of your future, you're going to go anywhere you want to go. And so that's one thing I always try to remember, too, when it comes to these things is that, you know, yeah, there could be a recession around the corner. Yeah, inflation could be going up. All this stuff could be affecting you. But in reality, like, you have the ability to do so much more if you just concentrate your thoughts and your energies in the right place. So that's just my, my, my two cents when it comes to this entire situation, too. Yeah, I mean, gear up. Uh, if you're wrong, you did the work ahead of time. You know, you're stronger, you're smarter. And if you're right, then you got a plan. There's no losing on that. True. Do you got any final thoughts for us today? No, I didn't realize I was going to be so sad recording this, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> bummer of a topic, but I'm glad that we're... I, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I learned a lot listening to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what is it in um what's the name of the movie with the housing crisis oh my gosh why am i totally forgetting what it's called um come on guys help me out here my uh, gosh who stars in it uh everybody <laughs> thanks <laughs> big short in the big short oh, there's big like short, yeah. there's like one part where like you know he gets there and he's like basically there the, i think it's charlie who's saying it he's like he's basically coming to the realization that like this entire like thing is gonna crumble and it's all gonna go to shit and you know their big thing is like they're shorting on all that and he's like basically realizing all that and then and then i think uh, uh i think it um uh, uh not ben Stiller, not ben affleck oh my gosh what is his name his name's actually Ben in the movie. That's what I'm getting Matt thrown up on. Matt Damon? No, not Matt Damon. But anyways, Ben, the character Ben in the movie, he's like, he's like, oh, you know, how dare you? The millions of people are going to lose their lives and all these things like that. And, he, and then all of a sudden, Charlie goes, I don't feel good all of a sudden, you know? And it, you know, and then when it comes to these things, that's the one thing we have to keep in mind too, is that like when this all happens, that there's going to be big consequences as it comes to it. But the best thing that you can do is just try to work hard, I think, so... All right, Nick, take us home. I think we might have depressed our audience way too much for one single day. I mean, there's some, I mean, we gave them some hope. We gave them at least some tools to consider and some ideas to, uh, especially just don't, don't get scared and lower your prices. Like, please don't like that. That will, that will never, that will never end up being like a successful move for you. It seems like it's a good move, but like you basically just taken the integrity out of your business and, and that we, you know, everybody needs that to be intact. So 
that's my big thing. Um, but yeah, so tell us what you what you have done in the past when when you know there's been a recession or uh, what you may you know may do. Uh, we're always super curious to hear about uh, how people uh, take this stuff into their own lives and actually implement the ideas that we bring up. Um, you can do that. Uh, what is it? A hashtag event brew. You could email us at uh, event brew at helloendless.com. You can shout it really loud if you're near our, you know, uh, homes. Uh, that's super helpful. Uh, we find, you know, mm. just people shouting outside of our houses to be just really exciting. Um, Lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, what else? That's it. Did I do all the things? Yeah. Yeah, nice. you did all the things. Yeah, email us. Let us know, guys. We love hearing from you all. And I think uh, we'll be jumping into some some uh, listener questions, I think, real soon. Yeah, sounds great. Well, thanks, you two. Uh, no thanks to you, Dustin. Uh, and uh, <laughs> USA, USA, USA. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew. Event Brew.